So I was giving a school retreat once uh, in a secondary school, and normally after the, the retreat we ask the, the students to fill out a little evaluation form, what they liked, what they didn't like, what we can do better. And uh, one of the students in the evaluation form wrote, uh, I didn't like the way Father Patrick said that Kurt Cobain is in hell. And I said, right. I never said that. Uh, I did mention him. I, I, I said, I, I, I was talking about how success and all these kind of things don't necessarily bring happiness. Like Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, were an immensely popular uh, and successful band, but yet Kurt himself had, had deep sadness and, and, and obviously, tragically, ended his own life. But I never said he went to... I'm a judge and jury. I don't know where people go. I don't know. Not my call. Uh, but anyway, this guy just wrote back, you know, I'm just, I did not like the way Father Patrick said that Kurt Cobain is in hell. Uh, and, and, I mean, and you see it in school. Like, you, teachers see this all the time. A teacher is one person and presents material to 20 students. And those 20 students, some will understand it immediately, some will struggle, some will be burning the underside of the table or drawing some anatomical part on, on a desk or who knows what, like all that goes on today. Uh, so the same material is delivered, but it's, it's understood, it's, it's received in completely different ways depending on who's listening. And it's the same with, same with God. So God speaks to us, and the way we receive what he says can be completely different. But the message is one. The, the way he says it is, is, is often the same. Uh, but... The way we perceive it, the way we, we put this into practice can be completely different. And that's what, the, what today's gospel is about. So the sower goes out to, to sow his seed. And some of the, the, the grain lands then on the edge of the path. And what does Jesus explain this means? So the edge of the path, the people who hear it, and then, then the devil comes and carries it away for fear that they might be saved. So, so we hear, for example, then through God's word, how, how we're supposed to live, you know, to be forgiving, to be loving, to be you know, obedient to, to what God asks of us, to be humble, to be forgiving, to honor our parents, not to be proud, to, be not, you know, to always tell the truth, to be pure. All these things that, that, that God asks of us. And then we might hear this and go, ah, yeah, but like, you know, who's the church telling me what to do? So, or who, you know, uh, how do I know this is really God? So the, the, the enemy comes in and he puts doubt into our head. I don't really have to listen to that, do I? That's not really God. It's not really important for today. This, obviously, sacred scripture was written... 2,000 years ago or more, so uh, I'm not really sure if it's relevant anymore. And so doubt comes in, and then whoosh, the whole lot's gone. What I've said here is irrelevant, unimportant, gone. You know, the enemy comes, and he sees doubt, just doubt. Or maybe uh, then we, we think of the, 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 the rest of the seed, so the seed that's, that's, uh, that lands on rocks. So this we, we often see at uh, like pilgrimages or something like that, where someone goes on a pilgrimage and they come back and like this stuff, this faith stuff is just fantastic. Love it. Absolutely amazing. And they're like, I want to convert the world. <laughs> Off sprouts their faith, okay? Which is not bad. Not bad. That's it's good. Uh, but you need roots. You need to be, you need to be rooted in a, a lived relationship with the Lord where you're being nourished daily through prayer and through walking with that, which doesn't mean you have to be a priest or religious. It just means daily, like we have to be in contact with him. Daily we have to be praying. Daily we have to actually ask him what he wants. And daily we have to actually listen to what he wants and preferably do it as well. So it's not just enough to have this kind of enthusiasm in the faith. You know, we have to persevere, persevere, see it through. Otherwise we sprout up, sun comes out, and we wither immediately because we have no roots. Then some of the seed falls into thorns. So, obviously, 
a modern interpretation of this can often be a person decides they, they, they convert or reconvert, discover their faith. They want to live uh, their faith in, in a better way or in a more authentic way. But today, something obviously which didn't exist in Jesus' time, is that there's this difficulty known as social media, where if you post these things publicly, if you say publicly, you know, I went to Mass over the weekend, absolutely loved it. <laughs> like, brace for impact. Do you know, if you post that on Facebook, just brace yourself. Even though you haven't, as I hate this expression, like, but you haven't forced your beliefs down anybody's throat. You just said, I went to Mass. No more than if I say, I went to a hurling match over the weekend, I'm forcing my GAA down people's throats. I just said I went to Mass. That's all I said. If I went to Tesco's, am I forcing my shopping habits down your throat? No, I just said I went to Mass. Okay. Went to Mass and loved it. But if you say that today, if you, like, if you witness to that online, I mean, you might get a couple of thumbs up or a couple of kind of, yeah, supportive things. But the, on, it's quite likely someone is going to start bringing up, oh, on earth would you do that for? I mean, did, you, what, did your mom force you? Oh, I hope, you know, hope, you're, hope you're still spending your confirmation money. You know, th th there'll be all sorts of, I think, con comments after that. So, that's what this kind of idea is, you know, that you, you, you want to follow the Lord. So you, you sprout up, but then like the concerns of the world start to, start to choke that faith. Do I really want to witness to this? Or like the pleasures of the world, or the success of the world. If, if I'm overtly Catholic, that might make my job a little harder. So it's better just kind of keep the faith just really private and just not, not talk about it. Or maybe I would actually earn more money. Maybe I, I would be success, more successful if my conscience wasn't so awake. If I could kind of numb my conscience, I can be a little shady around the edges as regards paying the wages to my employees, or I can dodge a little, you know, I, I, can, I can make more money if I'm dishonest, basically. You can make more money if you're dishonest. That's, that, that's the bottom line. So maybe it's easier than if I don't have the faith, then I don't feel so bad for being dishonest. And I make more money, which means I'm happier, right? Because money equals happiness, right? No, 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 it doesn't. Very good. Uh, money does not equal happiness. Money does not make you happy. Never has. <laughs> it, it just creates other problems. It, yeah, you don't have to worry about your mortgage anymore. But I remember I was talking to a guy who is exceptionally rich and uh, is involved in the whole horse industry. And um, so they have a stud in... Kentucky, and that stud last year, well, it was a couple of years ago now, so the, 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 pre, the year previous to when I visited, which is four or five years ago, the stud lost 10 million euro, uh, 10 million dollars. So he has loads of money, but now you're not worried about just paying your mortgage, you're worried about saving this business, which just cost you 10 million last year. You know, so you just have different problems, but it's not, it's not like you have no money problems, you just have different money problems. Anyway, we won't get lost in that. Point being, this faith that we have can be choked by the pleasures and the concerns of the world. The pleasures and the concerns, maybe, of, or the concerns of what other people might think about me. So maybe it's just easier to drop the faith. And then there are others and this, this, who hear the word of God, who hear the same word of God, the same word that has been addressed to us all. And they're the ones who are willing to, to embrace it, to run with it, and to bear fruit. And these are those, those kind of salt of the earth, holy people, who when you, when you meet them, you know, you know they know 
the Lord. You know they, they know God in a, in a way that, 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 that we don't. You know, that, you know that, they, they, that they have this relationship with him. There's kind of something otherworldly about them. There's something a bit just deeper about them. There's a, <clears throat> there's a profound joy in them. That even, and often you find it in people who are suffering. You know, people who have been diagnosed with a terminal cancer or something. But, but are, are people of prayer and they have accepted it. And they've made their peace with their family and they've made their peace with God. And now they've been kind of stripped of everything. Stripped of like any of the wealth, success, beauty, um, fame, whatever they had. All, that's, all that is now gone and now you have a person who's dying. And that soul, when you assume they're ready to meet God, there's something so peaceful about it or about them. That we go to visit them to console them and you kind of come away feeling, feeling either consoled by them or feeling called to more. It's like, it's like you, know, you visit someone who's, who's dying and is at peace with God. And then when you come out to your car, it's like, I don't really care what car I drive anymore. It just, you know, these kind of things just don't, they just don't matter. After, after what I'm seeing, what I'm just after seeing there, who cares? Who cares what I drive? Or you go home and you know you, you were, we're all worried about what size fridge you should get. And you should, should you get an American fridge with the you know, one and a half doors with the freezer on the side and the ice maker. And then you kind of go home and you go, I just don't care. What does it matter? Because you know, I'm after seeing something else here. I'm after seeing something deep. I'm after seeing like kind of what, what it's all actually about. This person is, is going to pass away and meet God. So you, you meet someone and they can have a profound effect on your life. Why? Because they know God. They're those people like who, who bear so much fruit. Like, and as I say, this isn't reserved just being priest or religious or, 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 or working in the church in some way. Every single person is called to be a saint and to witness to God and to bear fruit. Now, I might have to add this extra detail, which is a bit of a, a, bit of a downer, but not, not really. Not really. But the seed bears fruit when it falls into the earth. And what happens to it? It dies. That's when the seed bears fruit. So what does that mean? We bear fruit not by being super amazing and super perfect, and we bear fruit not by being all that we can be. We bear fruit by being all that God wants us to be. We bear fruit by dying to our own will. Because if I just want if I want everything my way always if I want everything to be as I wish always, then I'm full of myself and I'm not full of God. So if I'm full of myself, what I give is me. But people don't need me, they need God. God has solutions, I don't. So the more I'm able to say no to myself, and this is the very, very same in marriage, for any marriage to be, to be strong, it can't be that the wife always gets her way or the husband always gets his way. That's, that's, not, that's not good. That's not safe. That's not balanced. Um, there should be, almost be a, a kind of a, uh, the wife trying to outdo the husband in, in selfless, self-giving love, and the husband trying to outdo the wife in selfless, self-giving love. So there's this kind of mutual self-sacrifice. I, offer my, I sacrifice my, myself and my will for you, and you sacrifice yourself and your will for me. And that's, what, that's, what, that's a loving marriage. That's a marriage that will last. Because that's a marriage that, that's rooted in, in everyday, real-life things. Everyday, real-life decisions and situations where we've got limited resources and we, we all have different opinions as regards what we're going to do. So how do we decide? How do we come to a, a conclusion here? You come to a, a conclusion in love. Selfless love. 
It can't always be as I want, otherwise you're just a tyrant. And then you'll be full of your own will, full of yourself, which probably means you're full of insecurity. You have to control everything because you just want everything to go your way because it's probably safe everything goes your way because then you're in control. My goodness, that's going to be a tough marriage. So the more we can learn to renounce our own will out of love for our spouse, out of love for God, then we learn to die to ourselves that we can bear a rich harvest. This works in marriage, this works in our faith, this works actually in any relationship. You know, if any person who's just so dominant and always wants their own way, they're, they're, they're kind of miserable company to be with because they're just, here we go again, like, you know. So, whereas when I'm able to renounce myself with joy, not a kind of renounce myself, oh, here I am, sacrificing myself for you again. You know, not that kind of thing, dragging your heels, but sacrificing yourself out of love. That's then how we bear an abundant harvest. As for the part that fell into rich soil, this is the people with a noble and generous heart. So a noble heart doesn't mean that you have a, a fancy surname. A noble heart means that we recognize that we're, in the most humble way possible, we recognize that we're royalty. If God is my father and God is king, that makes me a prince. Not that I've ever wanted to be a prince, but you get the point. I mean, it means that we're, we're, we're from a noble family. We're from... We have noble blood. We have Christ's blood flowing in our veins when we receive Holy Communion. And so it's that, it's that I recognize who I am before God. I recognize who I am before God with a noble and generous heart. Generosity doesn't mean you just give the person the bare necessities and it doesn't mean you give what you have surplus. You give what other people need and you consider their needs greater than your own. A noble and generous heart who have heard the word, take it to themselves and yield a rich harvest through their perseverance. Through their perseverance. The Lord, is, the Lord is not saying this is easy. He's saying this will require perseverance. But the harvest is a hundredfold what you put in. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. So your life then, your prayer, your example, your selflessness has an effect on you, on your children, grandchildren, then after you're gone, that effect continues. That ripple effect continues even after you're dead. Even after you're gone, your life continues to affect people. Think of the saints. You think of, uh, you know, St. Patrick or St. Augustine back from, like, from the 4th century, and their lives are still affecting people. Padre Pio, who died in 1968, his life is still affecting people. You think of St. Francis, St. Dominic, who founded their communities, their religious orders in the 13th century, and their lives are still affecting people seven centuries after their death. So when we learn to die to ourselves, we, we bear a harvest. We reap people. God can reap a harvest way beyond whatever we could ever have thought imaginable. So God's way works. God's will works. So what he's calling us to do today is what? To have a noble and generous heart. To be, to hear his word and to let it sink deep into that, that rich soil of our heart. And to let that, that word of his bear fruit for the building up of his kingdom, for the healing of people's hearts, for the consolation of the afflicted. So God knows what he's doing. But we ask today that any obstacles, that, that any fear, any insecurity in our hearts that might stop us from being like this, this, this grain that dies to itself, that it, that it might bear fruit for all eternity, we ask that any obstacle there might be removed, that any fear might be healed, 
any insecurity might be brought before the light of God and, and healed. May the Lord heal our hearts and may we, in his name, bear an abundant harvest. Amen.